What is up, everybody? Welcome to Bench Chatter, the common man's NBA podcast, and we are absolutely stoked to be coming at you guys tonight with a very special trade deadline episode. I'm your host, Colin, here with my co-host, Noah, and Noah, it's a, it's a good day to be a Bulls fan, I must say. Uh, that it is. Uh, me, I'm not a Bulls fan, but I did observe from the outside, and the Bulls kind of had themselves a day, Colin. Would you agree with that? You know, as a uh, lifelong Bulls fan, you know, they, there's been a lot of turmoil over, we'll, we'll call it like the last like five years of uh, Gar Foreman and John Paxson running the Bulls front office. Uh, just a lot of knock for not really knowing how to run a basketball organization, which uh, came to fruition when they had to run a basketball organization. And now we are blessed with new management, new coaching, and man, it's just, it's nice to have a front office with a vision that doesn't change every year, you know? Yeah, I'm glad. I think a lot of people, uh, myself included, I saw the Bulls being sellers at this um, deadline, more so than buyers. Um, I really thought Laurie Markkinen was going to get traded, which he didn't, but I'm happy yeah. to see that they were buyers. You know, they're the 10th seed right now. And um, mm-hmm. with this year's special playing format, 10th seed does get you the ability to get into the playoffs, which I think is always good. And they yeah. kind of hit a home run here, Colin. Would you agree? Yeah, I would. So let's let's go over the, the, the trade. Uh, one of a handful of trades that the Bulls made at the deadline, but the biggest one... Uh, dare I say the blockbuster trade of the day, definitely the trade that headlines the deadline would be the Bulls give up Wendell Carter Jr., Otto Porter Jr., and two future first-round picks for Nikola Vucevic, and uh, I'm going to butcher the name. Can you say it for me? Al Farouk Aminu. Al Farouk Aminu. Um, Vucevic is a two-time All-Star, playing his best basketball in a decade-long career this season. He is a bona fide All-Star at the center position. He's shooting 42% from three. And I saw today uh, the entire Bulls roster up to this point has 24 double-doubles. Nikola Vucevic has 30 this season. Wow. That's I. That's pretty nice. Yeah, I'm. I'm really excited. Vucevic is off the magic. Um, he. It kind of felt like he was just wasting away there. You know, we'd see him putting up these huge stat lines, but in a 18 point loss. You know, and mm-hmm. when he, he's on the Bulls now, and the Bulls are betting, they're betting on their future team being built around Zach Levine and Vuce. Which I don't think yeah. is a awful, um, which I don't think is an awful call at all. You know, the Bulls have two no. All Stars on their team now, which is they're tied with second most um, All Stars in the East now. I think with the Celtics um, from this year, um, the and Nets the are the only team that had that more. And it mm. feels it feels a little surreal. You know, I didn't think the Bulls could improve this much over just one day, but they're no. They're helping rewrite the story of what the Bulls have been over the past couple of years. And I know two yeah. first-round picks may sound like a lot, but not really when you're in these. When you're in the Bulls situation they're in right now, um, you know, you can mm-hmm. dream and speculate all, all you want about what these first-round picks could turn out to be one day. But I think the Bulls mm-hmm. shouldn't romanticize these future first-round picks when they need to win now, they need to show Zach Levine and they need to show these other young guys that they're a franchise that is committed to helping the team get as good as they can be. And the 2021 is uh, top four protected. The 2023 is no protection. Mm-hmm. It could come back to bite the bulls in the ass. But at a certain point, you just got to go for it and fuck the first round pick. Yeah. If you're making the playoffs, that doesn't mean anything. Anymore. Yeah, exactly. 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 Yeah, from a Bulls perspective, I mean, I remember when I first read the trade, I was like, wow, like two first-rounders, that's a lot. But then you think back about what the Bulls have been able to do. In the past four drafts, we've had three seven picks and the fourth pick. And the best player on our team is not a player that we drafted. 
And now the second best player on our team is not a player that we've drafted. I mean, you look around the NBA, the last, the, the top contending teams, other than the Sixers and the Bucks, are all teams that have been built built through free agency. I mean, the Nets, the Clippers, the Lakers. I mean, when we, we get down to the nitty gritty, the real contenders, eh, they're not doing it through the draft. So. I think the draft's important. I think you absolutely could do it through the draft. But when you start to trend upwards, you kind of just have to make a clean break. And rather commit and start being in the playoffs and start competing for something than just be in, you know, the end of the lottery hell, which is kind of where we've been. Yeah. I'm really excited to see this two-man game between Levine and Vooch now. Um I think they're going to account for a stupid amount of this Bulls offense, um, which they rightfully should. They're both gifted offensive players in their own. And a core built around Levine, Vucevic, um, Kobe White. Um, I'll put that young in there Patrick right Williams. now. And Patrick Williams. That's kind of enticing to me if I'm a yeah. free agent, which is what the Bulls inevitably want to get back to. They want to be mm-hmm. – they're one of the biggest markets in the NBA, and they want to be a free agent destination for these um, high-end caliber players. And I don't think Vooch m- makes them like a championship contender. I think the team no. is still contingent on either Patrick Williams or Kobe White, you know, really progressing and becoming that mm-hmm. third-best player. But it was for sure a, a move in the right direction, and I don't think I've – heard from a Bulls fan that wasn't anything more than ecstatic that this happened. Yeah. Yeah. So a couple things to note just logistically. One of the really attractive parts about Vooch is that he actually has a descaling contract. So it started out, so it was a four-year, $100 million deal, but it was front-loaded. So the next two seasons, he's getting paid 24 mil and then 22 mil respectively. So for an all-star, I mean, given like the modern salary cap, yeah, that's a steal. So we have, like over the next season, two all-star players that are at $19 million and like $23 million respectively. That's pretty good. Yeah, that's how you, that's how you build a championship team, honestly, is mm-hmm. getting guys on good contracts that are all-stars. Yeah. And they did punt on a bit of cap space this summer by taking on um, Alfa Rucamino who has a 10.1 million player option that he probably will exercise. Yeah. So it makes renegotiating and extending Levine's contract for right now a no-go. But I don't really think that's a problem when you're not getting anyone near Vooch's caliber this summer. Um, There's not even a player. There's not really even a free agent that is as good as Vooch right now that will be available in the summer. So I'm not really worried about that. And, you know... The Bulls did it, Colin. I'm pretty happy for you. We did it. Um, we did it. You, we did you're it. gonna have a lot of fun watching Vooch. But I, moving you know forward, what? moving forward, do you see? Say yeah, say it. Sorry. Okay, you go. go. Well, okay. I just gotta say, like, like, I've been watching like a decent amount of Bulls basketball this year, and like, this is like actually like even up until this point, it's the most excited I've been about a Bulls team in uh, like four years, and now. Uh, like Bulls games are low key, like they're gonna be must watch TV for me. Like that's just the way it's gonna be. I love that. I like, had a, like, that makes me excited. I have a question. Um, you know, over the last okay. couple of weeks, we've seen Sato and Thad Young come into the starting lineup for Wendell and mm-hmm. Kobe. And when Vooch makes his debut, do you see Lori still starting? Um, are you running a Lori Vooch Rich front court to start the game, or do you see? Laurie potentially moving to the bench, Thad starting. Um, I just had, a, I just wanted to see what you thought about that. Yeah. So I think, like, at this point, we're committed to the win. And from what I've seen, Thad Young has given us the better opportunity to win given more minutes. He's a veteran player. He understands his role. Markinen's still trying to figure his game out a little bit. He's fairly two dimensional. Uh, he can pretty much either spot up and shoot or drive like a bull in a china shop like straight down the lane and that's pretty much it his finesse game struggles and his ability to see the court struggles i think given that there's now at least two guys who are better scorers than him and arguably in times uh kobe white's a better scorer than markinen is 
I'd rather give the ball, give a guy who's looking to facilitate first the minutes in the front court, and I think it just, it spreads, eh, no, marketing probably spreads the floor out a little bit better, but eh, you know what, Vucevic spreads the floor out a little bit better than marketing ever does, so... I personally would go Thad Young. I think that Billy Donovan's a smart enough head coach that he's going to rotate it up. Um, but I think this is a good enough segue. I mean, to, you know, I think, you know, just for the listener, I think we're going to kind of take this team by team just as we break it down this episode. The other trade the Bulls made was to go out and get Daniel Tice, who's going to be a phenomenal backup center, which yeah. provides rim protection that the Bulls have not had. Our interior defense is garbage, let me tell you. And I think Daniel Tice is a really solid move to help that out. Yeah, that was kind of that was a three-team trade. So the yes. uh, the Celtics received Luke Cornett and Mo Wagner. The Bulls got Troy Brown Jr., Javante Green, and Daniel Tice. And the Wizards got Daniel Gafford and Chandler Hutchinson. Um, mm-hmm. looking at that, I think Tice is the best player out of that pocket. And yeah, I think definitely. Tice is a player who I'm pretty high on. Um, I don't think he's underrated as a defender, first and foremost. Um, he's a serviceable center, starting center, which makes him a fantastic backup center option for the Bulls, which mm-hmm. is what he will be. I think he, he helps a guy like Kobe White out a lot more. You know, Tice is just a more experienced veteran. Um, when compared to Wendell Carter. So I think for Kobe White's pick-and-roll game, this helps him out tremendously. Um, he can just start mm-hmm. learning how to operate the pick-and-roll. And I think Troy Brown Jr. is not an awful option back either. Um, he's a guy who hasn't really got to show off um, everything he can give in Washington. But he showed um, in last season's bubble that he can roll, he can run a pick-and-roll, and he's a decent player off the dribble. Um, he's going to play more than Chandler Hutchinson did. And I think the Bulls, the Bulls get to monitor him for another year, and he has a 5.2 player option after this year, which, you know, that's a good that's deal pretty cheap. for a 3 and D. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, we're talking about a guy who averaged 10 points a game last year in 70 games. Like, that's not a, a scrub. That's more than Chandler Hutchison ever did. Yeah, we didn't even talk about Alfredo Camino, who um, he was injured this year, but he's he's a good wing playing, defender, right? He's been playing as of recent, and yeah, you can never have enough three and D wing defenders, and it just opens up a lot of flexibility for the Bulls here, who I think play their best basketball with um, you know these athletic fours. Um, we're talking like Patrick Williams. We saw Otto Porter do it, yeah. and Alfredo Camino and Troy Bowne are both probably going to get their chance to do it, and really exciting. Um, I don't want to gas you up too much, you know, because yeah, I am a little no, salty. So, the Bulls got a lot better today, but yeah, I'm excited for you. I know, as a Pacers fan, thank you, thank you. Yeah, like, it's like, you're happy for me, you're not happy for the Bulls, you know? It's like when I see the Pacers do well, I'm like, oh, like, no is happy, so I'm happy. I'm not like, oh, like, I love the Pacers. Uh, but I will make my, my final comments on this. Um, still have some work to do. I kind of was hoping Markkinen would get traded at the deadline, actually, because I, I see very little uh, chance that he actually comes back. I think he's been unhappy in the organization for a little bit. I don't think he's grown the same way he's wanted to, and I think there is another organization out there where he could excel and get paid, which I don't know if is going to happen. It's just not going to happen with the Bulls. Secondly, we need to go out and get a point guard, and this free agent market is actually pretty ripe with veteran point guards. I know there's a lot of Bulls fans who want Lonzo. I'd be in on that, but Kyle Lowry's an option. Mike Conley's an option. Holiday's an option. CP3 might even opt out. I doubt he does, but if he does, uh, there's opportunities out there for the Bulls to get a veteran point guard, and we have enough room to sign one. So I'm very excited there. That, that, that'll wrap it up on the Bulls talk for now. Uh, you know, we just spent 15 minutes on that, but it was necessary. The Bulls are back, baby. The other half of the Vucevic trade, the Orlando Magic. Noah, they had the most active day out of anybody. Yeah, they traded. We saw them trade Vucevic. Um, we also saw them trade two of their other players in Evan Fournier and Aaron Gordon. And before we talk about those trades, I just kind of wanted to mm-hmm. give my spiel on the Orlando Magic. And I think blowing okay. it up, I think blowing it up in Orlando has been the right call for a while. 
Um, you know, they've yeah. been this fringe eighth seed. They're always finished higher than the 10th seed team in the East. But really, if you're, yeah. what are you building there, really, if you're just satisfied with winning one playoff game every year in the first year? And while I think Vooch is a fantastic player, he has limitations when he is your best player. Um, the Magic yes. never really surrounded him with the talent necessary to be anything more than an eighth seed. And moving on from him, it allows them to formulate a more long-term plan with a better vision of what they actually want to be as a team. You know, they can build a guys like mm-hmm. build around guys like Markel Fultz, Jonathan Isaac, um, Cole Anthony. Cole Anthony. Yeah. And getting two first-round picks from the Bulls may seem a little unimpressive on its face. Um, the pick this year, I don't think it'll be anything special. I think the Bulls are going to make the playoffs, especially after the moves they made today. Mm-hmm. But the 2023 pick um, could be could be spicy. Um, could there's be. no there's no guarantee yet like that Levine. Yeah, there's no guarantee yet that Levine is coming back. They, they haven't worked out a new contract. Um, but the Magic have positioned themselves to somewhat sort of be like what we've seen the Thunder doing. Um, they cut $27 million off their cap. And I think they're going to become this... Um, Orlando's going to become one of those franchises, you know, that will take these unwanted contracts to get picks back. Um, yeah. we'll, we could see guys like Al Horford go to Orlando just so Orlando gets a first back yeah. because they have the actual cap space to just take this guy. And I think mm-hmm. that's a positive move for the Orlando Magic as a franchise. Um, we're going to see them tank for a while, but... You know, I think a hard reset like this was necessary. Yeah, I think so too. We have a mutual good friend who's actually given up on being a Magic fan for that exact reason. They could just never commit to anything after Dwight Howard left. They tried to tank. It didn't amount to really anything. I mean, it got them to kind of where we are now. But it's not like the Magic have had a top five pick in the last five years. You know, which is kind of, if we're looking at teams that have tanked and then been successful at it, you know, you look first and foremost at the 76ers, and they hit on a couple picks, but they also missed on a couple. And I think that's part of the tank that you just have to accept. You're Mm -hmm. not going to hit a home run on every single pick because that's just, like, not the nature of how the draft works. And so you need to be there for a little bit because something's going to hit eventually. You know, if you're bad long enough, I mean— shit like I don't know the Hornets have been terrible for a decade and now they're starting to turn it around you know yeah all it takes is commit to it all takes is one to all three one. good picks out of all the years you're tanking and yeah, while exactly. that is a little daunting um if I was a Magic fan I wouldn't really be happy because who wants to see their team just go out there with the notion that oh we want to lose kind of so we get better lottery yeah. odds you know that's kind of rough but um, talking in terms of the players that the Magic got, you know, they got Wendell Carter. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I'm I'm not really a Wendell Carter fan. I think he's kind of yeah, ass. Me neither. But, and I have questions if he's really a starting center um, caliber for the um, NBA. But do you are you excited to see him in Orlando? He gets a, you know, bigger chance to show what he can yeah. really do. I mean, yeah, no, he committed to the Bulls. I think he's a competitor. I think he wanted to win. Uh, I just think he has a lot of limitations. He can't shoot for shit. I mean, he he does this thing where he, like, pulls up from the free throw line sometimes. And, like, 70% of the time, I'm like, w- there was a better shot. And then, like, 30% of the time, the clock's winding down. I'm like, all right, like, if that's what we're going to get, that's what we're going to get. And he shoots, like, 40% from it. And you're like, uh, you know. But other than that, it's, you know, him pulling up from three. Like, it'll happen, and you just go, why, God, you know? So I think that he can def- he can rebound really well. He's not a good defender, and his lack of offensive potential, you know, just I, I think it relegates him to being a backup center. I think he's fine on the offensive end doing the basic stuff that you'd expect a NBA starting center to be able to do. But I don't think he does anything else spectacularly, and his what he, his lack of defensive ability just make him. I, I think he's going to be a career backup guy, or he's going to be on teams like the Magic and start for them. Yeah, I agree with that. Looking like it's uh, Mo Bamba season. Junior. 
Yeah, maybe. And then Otto Porter Jr., I mean, there's talks that he might get bought out. I don't think he's going to want that because this is probably his last payday, like big payday, you know, get the bag while you can. So I, I think he'll stick it out. Um, but these other trades that the Magic made, lucrative for a tank. So they ship uh, Evan Fournier to Boston uh, in, in kind of a, you know, nothing too sexy. They get Jeff Teague, who they waived, and two second-round picks. Again, picks are picks. You know, take them while you can get them. Uh, Second-rounders convert to an all-star like 2% of the time, but it does happen. Better so, than 0%. Yeah, better than you know, something out of him. Uh, but then the big one was Aaron Gordon had asked for a trade, and he gets shipped out to Denver. Uh, and in return... They get two first-round picks? They got Gary Harris, RJ Hampton, who is a rookie this year. He um, also played in the NBA with LaMelo for the Illawarra Hawks, I'm pretty mm-hmm. sure. And then they got a 2025 first-round pick, That's which right. is top five protected. Um, do you want to cover Evan Fournier or Aaron Gordon first, Colin? Which one's more interesting? Um... Well, yeah, Evan Fournier, I think uh, I think he's fine. I think he Boston was looking to do something and they did exactly that at this trade deadline. They they did something. Uh it wasn't anything that makes the team better. Uh I think they're going to be looking out to the buyout market. Get a player like Aldridge or Drummond who was not traded but is now technically a free agent to build their team the rest of the year. Evan Fournier, he's a good scorer, but uh, I don't know. To me, like you had players like Evan Fournier. You have Tatum and Brown, who are both all-star caliber shooting guards and small forwards. Like why? Mm. He's more the same to me, you know? Like they needed to go out and get a big. I I actually love this. I actually love this trade for the Celtics. Um, I think this is one of... I think this is one of the best trades of the day. Um, all they gave up was Jeff T wow, and two second round picks. Um, my initial my initial reaction to this trade was that's all it took mm-hmm. to get Evan Fournier. Um, I think he fills um, the Celtics' biggest voids they have right now, which are ball handling, reliable outside shooting, and just wing depth in general, which the Celtics really don't have much after Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown. And Fournier this season, he's averaging 19.7 points, 3.7 assists, and he's shooting 38% from three this season. Um, what he brings to the Celtics, I think he brings an on-ball creator. I think he he kind of plays pseudo-point guard for the Magic, which I think we could see him also do for the Celtics when Kemba or Tatum are out. And yeah. the Celtics basically assumed no risk with this trade. They used their trade exception they had from the Gordon Hayward on basically a half-season rental for Fournier. But I think it was a no-brainer decision when Evan Fournier is like a perfect fit for that Celtics team, and they didn't give up anything virtually. They gave up two second-round picks, but who the fuck gives a shit about yeah. those, you know? Well, so so fair enough. And my point at the beginning was that I think this is a good move. Um, maybe not as good of a move as you perceive it to be, but we can, you know, that's fine. What needed to happen was they needed to bolster the the front court. You know, Tristan Thompson is. I out think they're all in on Robert Daniel Williams. Price. I I like Robert Williams, but like if you want to win right now, like doesn't a guy like Aldridge or um, Drummond make just a lot more sense? I think it does, but I think the Celtics were reluctant to give up anything of actual meaning to go and get one of those guys. Fair enough. Fair enough. Um, I just, like, I get your point. Like, I think it's a good move. It's a nice retool. Um, but just the state of the Boston Celtics, I mean, they're two games under five hundred right now. You kind of figured that they'd make a bigger splash right now than just Evan Fournier. But... You know, with that said, you don't always need to make the biggest splash. Sometimes it is just a small retool that gets you going in the right direction. So if 
if you're a Celtics fan, you like what they did at the trade deadline. Yeah, I consider the Celtics my second favorite team in the NBA, and I'm a pretty big fan of this move. Fair enough. Alrighty. Um, well, then the Magic get the second-round picks. We discussed that. The other move that the Magic make, uh, they ship Aaron Gordon out to the Nuggets. Um, do we want to cover that now? I mean, I like the Nuggets now. Yeah, I, like I think I think this is like the perfect midseason move from the Nuggets that we've kind of been expecting them to do for these last mm-hmm. couple of years. You know, they're always like at that midseason trade deadline talk about, oh, maybe we can get someone. And I think it's the Aaron Gordon's the exact type of player they needed for this season. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Colin, we've seen that they really were reeling from what they lost in Jeremy Grant and Torrey Craig. Yes. Um, and not re-signing those guys at the 3-4 position. They were really lacking something on defense. You know, a guy who's gritty like Aaron Gordon. And I think Aaron Gordon is better suited than most to tussle with some of the tough wings you have to guard in the West, like LeBron, Paul George, Kawhi. And, mm-hmm. I yeah, Denver really missed Jeremy Grant. And I think they helped fill a hole with Jeremy Grant and it in Aaron Gordon, and I was looking at their numbers and lineups where Jokic and Michael Porter Jr. have been their front court. They're actually surprisingly decent at defense, like better than their um, mm-hmm. defensive rating, um, their average defensive rating this year. And I think Gordon gives those lineups a real chance of actually being competitive defensively. Um, he can handle the assignments where Porter, you know, feels a little overmatched and on offense, Michael Porter Jr. gets to operate like the small forward, and Aaron Gordon gets to operate like the power forward, which I think is better for Aaron Gordon's offensive game. And yeah. he's actually been half decent. He's shooting 43.5% from spot-up threes this season. Wow. that's I mean, we take that. We take and, that all day. I mean, especially with the facilitator that Jokic is. Yeah. And then looking at what the looking at what the Nuggets had to give up, you know, they had to give up a first round pick and um, RJ Hampton, which is the rookie they drafted. And I do think that's fairly steep. But I think so, too. It's hard to develop. In my opinion, it's hard to develop a rookie slash second year player on a contending team. Um, Denver doesn't really have Denver doesn't really have room in their backcourt for RJ Hampton to show what he got when they have Will Barton, Jamal Murray, Facundo Campazzo, and Monty Morris basically already. And they also got off Gary Harris's contract, which was like $19.5 million a year, um, which I really liked. And yeah, I think, this was a, I think this was a really good trade from the Nuggets. Yeah. And if I'm the Magic again, I love this. I mean, 2025, who knows what the Nuggets are? But, I mean, that's four drafts away. Like the world can change till at that point, you know. Mm-hmm. Like Jokic isn't under contract at this point through twenty twenty five. He very well could be, but at this point, that's not the case. So, yeah, I mean, if I'm the Magic, I want that pick to be as far out as I can possibly get it. So again, I think that overall, I consider the Magic very much winners of this trade deadline. Yeah, I actually think this Gordon deal was like the best haul the Magic got. Um, all day. Yeah, I think so too. RJ Hampton, I mean, coming out of high school, he was like a top five recruit. So this is still a kid who could very much turn into uh, an all-star. Yeah. Yeah, he's pretty unknown right now. He's going to get to show off in Orlando what he gets to do. And like you already said, Colin, four years is a long time for um, when that pick finally conveys. So who knows what it could look like. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, and RJ Hampton, I mean, he's played 25 NBA games so far, averaging nine minutes. Like, that's nothing. Like, he's not getting any exposure. Yeah. So hopefully he can actually go develop in Orlando and see what he can show off. Well, well so far we're giving good draft grades to everybody that we've talked about. It's it's kind of weak of us. Like we should you, ready to, you ready to shit on yeah. a team? Yeah. So, um... The birds that run the Houston front office, do you think they've got one 
brain cell between them? Or do you think it's at two? I think it might be at zero. Yeah, I think so too. I I apologize for calling them birds. That's offensive to birds. I, these friggin' worms. So Oladipo goes to the Heat for basically nothing. You get Kelly Olynyk on an expiring contract. You get Avery Bradley for God knows why. And you can swap picks with the Heat this year if you feel the need. Uh-huh. That's so stupid. That is literally free. For a two-time All-Star? Like, I just... I don't get how there wasn't a better offer on the table. I mean, a second-round pick is a better offer than that. Yeah. The Rockets have effectively turned Karis LeVert and a 2023 second-round pick into two guys who will never are not part of their long-term plan and a pick swap that will likely never get used because the Heat are not going to finish worse than the Rockets. Yeah. And, I mean, that's just objectively terrible. I just, I don't, I don't get it. Like, I don't understand what your plan is. You have DeMarcus Cousins just sitting there as well. Uh, They made the P.J. Tucker move, which I thought was fine. You know, needed to happen. But, uh, what is going on there? You literally, if I'm the Rockets right now, I look at my roster and I say, I have Christian Wood. That's it. That's the only player that I have any perceived value in at this point. Yeah. And I just gave up an all-star for nothing when supposedly I had teams fighting over him. Like, what? Yeah. If you're a Rockets fan and listening, um, you know, I feel bad for you. Um, Houston basically had zero leverage in these Oladipo negotiations. Um, He already turned down a two-year extension from them which clearly shows he has no terms with being on the Rockets for long term. And why would, if you're a team that wants to trade for Vic Oladipo, why would you give up anything when you could just sign this guy in the summer? And he actually hasn't been that good since he's came to Houston either. His efficiency has dropped drastically since he came over from the Pacers. And then he's just missed a bunch of time too with a quad injury. Um, So for the Rockets, like I think I would literally give them an F on this deal. Um, just the way they've handled this entire situation was just kind of yeah. kind of the blueprint on how to not run an NBA franchise. Am I right? Yeah. You didn't have to flip Karis who wasn't Did on someone an tell them that? Contract. Did someone have told them that? I don't I don't know. Maybe the Pacers like called them and they're like, Hey, you know that you have to give us Karis Levert, right? And they're like, Oh they're shit. Like, oh, All right. shit. All right, here he is. And they're like, do you want like an all-star that doesn't want to be here on an expiring contract? And they're like, yeah, that's exactly what I want, dude. If they if they had traded for TJ McConnell, like that would have been a better haul than what they got. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> like that's like that. Uh, yeah. Like I just I I just don't get it. Um. Clearly, I. I think that they thought that they were at, like the Rockets were actually going to be able to compete. I remember talking at the beginning of the year that the Rockets, you know, you have John Wall, you have Oladipo, DeMarcus Cousins had looked pretty decent at the beginning of the year. You have Christian Wood. Like, there was some promise. But that has gone out the window entirely. Yeah. Uh, speaking from the Heat side, I actually yeah. I like this deal for them. You know, trading for a guy who is a free agent this summer is always kind of a, you know, dodgy proposition. But mm-hmm. they didn't give up any long-term value to get him, so I think it's fine. No. Um, you know, Linux played fine for Miami, but Miami also traded for Nemanja Belica today, so they got someone to replace him. Yes. Um, Avery Bradley is a very replaceable player for the Heat, and the Heat needed another shot creator who can, you know, come off a screen and drill a pull-up jumper, which... Vic will perfectly fit for them. And while Oladipo might be that guy for them, I also think there's a chance the Heat Heat's not the guy that the Heat um, need right now. You know, I think the Heat could have very much benefited from getting a guy like Kyle Lowry instead because their offense is kind of mm-hmm. a question mark in 
how they can get reliable playmaking. You know, Jimmy's a good playmaker, but is he as good as Kyle Lowry? I would probably say no. And they kind of got another guy in Jimmy. But, you know, Jimmy likes to score a lot of his points in ISO situations, which I think is also what Vic wants to do. Mm -hmm. I still have questions if their offense will be good enough to help them win a playoff series. But, you know, they gave up a pick swap that will likely never be used. And they now have the opportunity to Mm -hmm. see how Oladipo fits with that team before maybe deciding to pay him over the summer. So I think for the Heat, it was a pretty good deal. Uh, Yeah, I think it's a phenomenal deal. And I think everybody came to the deadline thinking that the Heat would have to give up either Tyler Hero or Duncan Robinson to get uh, either Oladipo or Kyle Lowry. And the fact that they didn't have to do that, I think right there is a win. Uh, Although me personally, I'm not terribly high on Tyler Hero. Um, I think he I like Duncan a lot Robinson of more. Finals run. Yeah, exactly. I think Duncan Robinson is a much more valuable asset on a championship team. Honestly, at this point, like I consider Tyler Hero to be like a Victor Oladipo light. You know, yeah, I say I, light, not white. I actually think um Duncan Robinson was like the contingency point. I don't even know if that's the right word for that um Kyle Lowry trade. I'm pretty sure the Raptors desperately wanted Duncan Robinson and any trade they were going to make with the Heat. And the Heat were like, no. Yeah, which is fair. Yeah, totally yeah, fair. Like I, yeah, and it sounds like the Heat are going to go get LaMarcus Aldridge in the buyout market, <laughs> which I think is huge for them. I mean... You've got Iggy as your starting power forward. They also traded for Trevor Ariza. Um, right now, in you know, he's thirty-seven right now. Like that's pretty old. Uh, not that Lamarcus Aldridge is all that much younger, but I think Lamarcus Aldridge is a bit more effective uh, than Andre Iguodala is at this point in his career. So I think if that happens, I think that the Heat have built themselves to, uh, you know maybe make another run at things? Does this make them better than the Nets? I don't think so, but we'll see. All right. Um, Do you want to talk about the Blazers and what move they made this week or today? Yes. Sorry. Yeah. All right. The the Blazers uh, were able to construct a deal with the Raptors, that sends Gary Trent Jr. and Rodney Hood to the Raptors for Norman Powell. Now, I think this move it might be swept under the rug a little bit today in terms of uh, some more high-caliber names going around today and maybe some more high-caliber teams or some bigger markets. But I like this trade a lot for both teams. I know we keep saying that, but I think just in in where both of these teams are at, I think it works well for both of them. The Blazers get one of the most efficient three-point shooters of the season this year in Norman Powell onto a team that didn't need Gary Trent Jr. coming back with C.J. McCollum and now with Yusef Nurkic coming back. They needed a guy who they could just kick it out to, and Mm -hmm. Norman Powell is literally the perfect guy. He's shooting yeah. 59% from corner three this year. That's yeah, I have a crazy stat um, just to speak about how good Norman Powell's been from three this season. And there's been 64 players this season, Colin, that have attempted at least 200 threes. And Norman Powell currently ranks third in three-point percentage. He's made 40. He shoots 43.9% on 269 attempts this year. And the only two guys that shoot a better percentage are Joe Harris and Joe Ingles. So if we had Joe Powell out here, you know, maybe he'd be <laughs> the best three-point shooter in the league. Is that what you're saying? I think so. All um, right. Well, well, Norman, figure it out, buddy. But yeah, I'm I'm a fan of this move. Um, you know, talking from the Blazers' perspective. Um, Gary Trent Jr. was going to be a restricted free agent this season. And when the Blazers are fully healthy, you could argue that there's a place for him. But I I think Gary Trent Jr. has proved that he's going to get paid probably more than what the Blazers are comfortable offering him. But Powell is more of a help this season move to me, which I think the Blazers needed. 
Um, you know, over these last couple of years, we've seen the Blazers, they're good enough to get to the playoffs. But it seems like when they get to that playoffs um, and they're in that second round, that they just need that little oomph to like help them get over the hump. Mm-hmm. And I think that I think that Powell is good enough, will be a good enough move and will pay off more during the playoffs than maybe it will for the regular season. And yeah, I can just see Powell coming off and impacting a playoff series for the Blazers. And if he does that, if he just wins them one game, goes crazy, you know, that makes the trade worth it, in my opinion. Yeah. And uh, something to consider, too, is uh, I saw in advanced analytics, Rodney Hood is the single worst role player in the league uh, in qualified, given qualified minutes. So you're not missing much there. Yeah, I was not. You told me that when we were texting earlier today, and I was like 0% surprised. (laughs) Right? That just makes a lot of this Rodney Hood. Anytime I watch him, he always tries to do that move on the baseline, like the fadeaway thing. And, like, it works sometimes, but, like, it's a, it's a terrible shot, like, efficiency-wise. And it's not like he's that great at it. And I, I just watch him go do that, like, the beginning of the second quarter and, like, miss, like, 60% of the time and, like, <laughs> celebrate way too hard when he makes it, like, the 40% of the time and then <laughs> you walk away. So, yeah, that's, I don't know, ever since... uh leaving Cleveland on that, like, god-awful team. I I think he's just kind of sputtered. Yeah. Uh, Talking about this trade from the Raptors' perspective, um, I would actually give the Raptors probably a higher grade on this trade than the Blazers, but that's all, you know, based upon how this free agency plays out. You know, Norm Powell and Gary Trent Jr. are both free agents. And I think it was smart of the Raptors to sell high, um, on this Norm Powell stock, mm-hmm. you know, he's been playing absolutely phenomenal. And I don't think the Raptors yes. are going to be able to afford him in this offseason. And they're getting a guy back in Gary Trent Jr., who's only 22 compared to Powell, who turns 28 this year. And there's a good chance that the Raptors will be able to pay Gary Trent Jr. this season. And while they might be worse in the immediate future, um, I think this could prove to be a good long-term move for the Raptors because – while Norman Powell is bringing a great deal of offense, um, I think that offense can be replaced through Kyle Lowry, Siakam, and Fred VanVleet. Yes, and OG. Yeah. So I think it was a good move for the Raptors. Um, they sold high, and they got a good value player for a guy who was probably not coming back. Yeah, I agree there. And the Raptors are fully healthy again for the first time since like week two of the NBA season. So currently as the 10th seed in the East and that's not a good spot to be, but I think that they can uh, bounce back a little bit, especially with the Hornets probably coming back down to earth now that Lamelo is no longer going to be playing for them the rest of the regular season, um, and I, I think there's some other teams. Maybe the Knicks start to falter, maybe the Hawks start to falter, the Celtics could falter. Hornets. But, um, I already said the Hornets. Let's switch oh, over. sorry, wasn't listening. Yeah, fool. Um, but yeah, I mean in the East, like the fourth seed through um, the ninth seed right now is separated by three games, so. It's close. Anything can happen there. Anybody can be anywhere. Mm-hmm. Alrighty. Those are most of the big moves that we have. Are there any smaller moves that you wanted to cover before we get into some guys that weren't actually moved that we kind of thought might be moved? Um, I can just rapid fire some trades okay. right now. Um, so JJ Reddick got traded to the Mavs. Um, just quick thoughts. I, I like that move for the Mavs. You know, anytime you're getting yeah. JJ Reddick, I honestly feel like you're winning the trade. And the Mavs actually ended up cutting some cap space with because they sent back James Johnson and Wes Windu. Mm-hmm. They actually ended up saving about one point eight million in cap space with, you know, good maths. Um good maths. I like that. Well, I just my two cents, uh Reddick, you know, you always need shooting. Never yeah. need shooting. Um, Lou Will got traded to the Atlanta Hawks for Rajon Rondo. And I actually like this move for the Hawks. Um, I don't think they needed a guy like Rondo, especially with their um, backcourt no, depth. Um, I think the he Hawks are... Like 14 minutes a game. Yeah, the Hawks like Chris Dunn, too, who's um, soon to come back from an ankle injury. So if they really need someone to replace those minutes, I think Chris Dunn will be a 
serviceable um, villain. And for the Clippers, it's, you know, they've been needing a point guard, Colin. We've been saying that for so long. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think they get their guy who can fill that in Rondo. But he's guaranteed $7.5 million next season. And he's 35. Uh, um, So I don't love yeah. that deal for the Clippers, but... You know, they needed a point guard, and they got Rondo. And, you know, they're just hoping that he shows yeah. up during the playoffs. And if he can show up during the playoffs, exactly. the trade's worth it. Exactly. Yeah, if he can be what he was on the Lakers last year, then I, th- I think you win this trade. And obviously, you know, if the Clippers, like, make a finals run and, like, win a finals, then yes, this trade was worth it. If they don't, then this trade wasn't worth it. I mean, that's just kind of, like, the nature of where they are right now as a franchise. Yeah. Um, other than that, you know, a lot of like low key, um, players got traded like Matt Thomas, who was on the Raptors. Um, if you even know that guy, um, I like DeLon Wright. DeLon Wright went to the Kings. Um, I like that the Kings got mm-hmm. some more guard depth with they, which they needed. And other than that, um, I think we talked about every really big trade. Yeah, the bigger JaVel McGee is going to Denver as well. Um, oh yeah, that's actually a, a little ni- bit of a nice pickup for them. Backup center George Hill yeah, went to Philadelphia. Yeah, because they couldn't. They didn't want to pay the. Them. They didn't want to pay the Kyle Lowry asking price, which I think is smart. Yeah. Um, yeah. Should we should we get into the guys we're surprised we didn't see yeah. get traded? Yes, absolutely. Because I think that that's as much of a storyline uh, for this deadline as what actually did happen. Yeah. So starting off, um, I really thought Lonzo was going to the Bulls today. Um, I was pretty I, sold. I thought he was moving. Yeah, I was pretty sold on Lonzo getting traded. Um, the Pelicans came out and said he wasn't part of their long-term plan, so I'm really surprised to still see him on the team. But I was really hoping he was going to your Bulls con. I was hoping they were just going to go all in, you know? Yeah, it's it's still a potential. Um yeah, because so then one of the other guys, Laurie Markkinen, I was really hoping would move because, as I mentioned earlier, I don't think he's coming back to the Bulls next year. So I kind of thought we would uh, trade players for half a season just because Lonzo's not a part of their long-term plan. Laurie's not really a part of our long-term plan. Let's see if it works and then move from there. Um, but that just didn't happen. What I was reading is that the Pelicans were asking for Laurie in a first mm. for – Lonzo, and that's just stupid. Like, yeah. You should like that. Just doesn't make any sense for a guy that's gonna play like twenty five games. Like we can go sign him in six months, like if we need mm-hmm. to, you know. So yeah, um, and I I think the asking price was just a little bit too high for the Pelicans to actually deal him to any other team that is looking to win now. Oh, if I'm the Pelicans, I would have been very fine with taking Laurie Markkinen back. The thought yeah, of Laurie Markkinen like, like getting to play with Brandon Ingram and Zion sounds really um, appetizing to me. Yeah, and it's one of those things, too. At least, like, you have to imagine getting a guy to go play for your team makes you the front runner for contract negotiations. You're already in his ear, then, while he's playing on the team. You can kind of sell him on it. Mm-hmm. You know, that's always been my philosophy. So, I, yeah, I don't really get it because it's not like they're going to make the playoffs this year. Are they, you know, may, I guess, could they make the, the play-in game? I don't Yeah, they so. could. They could. They could. They could. Okay. I mean, sure. Maybe they maybe they make the playoff game, but, or play-in game. I don't know. just doesn't make a lot of sense to me, uh, these expiring contracts. And from the Bulls' perspective, too, I would have liked to have dealt marketing for i mean literally anything like if somebody was offering a second round pick for him in the west like ship him out there why the hell not you know seconds better than nothing exactly and especially when um, i mean we're both pretty convinced he's not coming back and it just seems like yeah. you know kind of a waste to and if the bulls don't see him in their long-term plan i just don't see any reason why he wasn't moved yeah yeah, and who knows? Maybe he is a part of the long-term plan. I just I don't think he's worth $20 million, which is what he's going to ask for. I'd rather go pay Alonzo $20 million because we need a point guard. Mm-hmm. But You have a better whatever. version of Laurie on um, your team now. Much better. Yeah, exactly. exactly. Uh, Kyle Lowry, uh, who we've kind of talked about, um, was a big name that people thought might go. There was a 
an Instagram video of him leaving the court last night uh, because it was thought that it might be his last time playing for the Raptors. That's not going to be the case. They're going to hold on, and he's going to stay put. Um, again, I, I just I heard that offers uh, Lakers were like a big front runner for him, and they wanted Taylor Tuck and Torter, and that's just uh, wasn't part of the Lakers' long term plan. Wait, do you think that's his actual name? No, I know it's uh, Taylor Tucker Horton, right? Are you being serious? Yeah, I am being serious. Am I wrong? Taylor, Taylor Horton Tucker. THT. What did I say? I don't even know what you said, honestly. No, that's what I said. I, I, I said don't think right. so. I nailed it. Yeah. <laughs> Taylor Horton Tucker. That's what I said. Nailed it. But yeah, um, the Raptors were just on. Um, yeah. They were asking for a little too much for Lowry. And I don't think they were sold on just letting him go either. Um, after this season, he is a free agent. But, you know, you have to assume Toronto probably has um, first dibs on re-signing him if they really want to. Mm-hmm. And they can just re-sign him, and we can do this whole dance again next year, you know? Like, they were in no exactly. rush to um, get rid of him unless it was for the right price, which I think is a smart move. Yeah, Absolutely. Um, and then is there anybody else that we were surprised did not get dealt? Um, uh, you know what? Drummond and Aldridge. I, I kind of thought that the Cavs could oh, yeah. do something for Drummond. I cannot believe Drummond is just getting bought out, and he's just probably going to go to the Lakers. Like, you're telling me the Cavs wouldn't just take one second-round pick? Like, come on. They're just giving yeah, the Lakers this guy for nothing. salary thing, right? I guess like, so. Like nobody can match the salary? But, like... I don't know. Like, I don't know the actual logistics of it, and I should probably uh, really understand them before I comment on them, but it feels like the Cavs should have been able to do something. Although I did read an article that Dan Gilbert, uh, who I believe acts as their GM, the owner, mm-hmm. uh, is like sick right now, so maybe he just was like screwed yeah, up. Yeah, his, um, his son's been filling in for him. I think Dan Gilbert like suffered a stroke. Yeah. Uh Fun story. My freshman year roommate actually uh, was was friends with him, so there you go. Right. So basically, like I basically like know the owner of the Cavs. All right. Damn. You should have told him to get something for Andre Drummond. I I thought about it. I like thought about like texting him. I was like, hey, like tell your buddy like get something for Drummond. <laughs> then let him just get bought out and go to the Lakers. Yeah. You know. Uh, whatever. Yeah, so pretty active trade deadline. Bulls are the winners, though. Bulls win, right? Tell me that the Bulls won. Uh, I think the Bulls are the inevitable grand winner. I think the Celtics oh. were a winner. I think the Nuggets were a winner. But ultimately, I am very happy for UConn. I'm very happy for Dan Aguilar. Um, I've got to see you guys suffer through... Just the Bulls having one of the worst front offices in the league, um, wasting draft picks year after year. And, you know, it's a new era of Bulls basketball, which I know you're excited. I'm excited just to watch them play. Um, You deserve it, dude. I am so deserving of an NBA title. Give it to me. Alrighty, well, that wraps up a very exciting trade deadline episode. We will be back at you Sunday with the fantasy episode. Uh, Playoffs are looming, so be prepared. Thanks for listening, boys. See you guys. See ya.